which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord will add his blessings to the reading of his precious words. The Psalms, as we know, has a wonderful capacity to capture the realities of our human experiences. They express the emotions, the gratitude, the personal feelings, and the interest of each one of us. I think one reason people love the psalm is in, is in that each of us can identify the psalms with our personal experiences. Psalm chapter 46 has been a real tower of strength for us in our family for a long, long time. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. Then it comes to verse 10. When you're in trouble, it says, be still and know that I am God. Stop trying, stop striving. Don't look here and there, but look up. And the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. And I think a lot of us needs to do that, to be still and acknowledge that he is God, he's promised, and that he would do what he's promised. So in every experiences of our own, no matter how deep the pain, or no matter how great the frustration that comes into our life, or how exhilarating the joy that we find, the Psalms bring us closer to God, and it gives us the comfort that we need in our lives. And I'm sure each one of us has got a Psalm that we can share with somebody in times of need. There are many Psalms that we could, we could open to and help somebody to see the way out of their difficulties. Now, Psalm chapter 1, which we're going to discuss this morning, is known as the Wisdom Psalm. And it is basically functions as an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. The theme of Psalm chapter 1 is as big as the whole Bible. That's the whole Bible we have in Psalm chapter 1. Because it points out the blessedness of the believer and the misery and the future of the unbeliever. Psalm chapter 1 presents two ways of life. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. You know, the Bible warns us about two ways and two destinies. For example, we have two foundations. The Bible talks about the foundation of the rock and the sand. We have two builders, the wise, the foolish. The wise man built his house upon the rock. We know that, don't we? And then we have two gates, the wide and the narrow gate. Then we have two destinations, heaven and hell and so on. So, so, so the Bible is full of the tools in there. And here we have the two ways and two destinies. And this is a theme of mine for Psalm chapter 1. Two ways and two destinies. The central subject of Psalm chapter 1 has to be the Word of God. It has to be the Word of God. There are two great thrusts that flows out of this psalm. The importance an absolute necessity of the scripture in the life of a believer. Let me repeat that again to you. The importance and absolute necessity of the scriptures in the life of a believer. Jesus himself said to Satan that men shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you see the importance of the word of God. And the second one, the changed lifestyle and fruitfulness, it promises to those who will obey his word. When we obey the word of God, when we work upon the word of God, our lives will be blessed. So here in this psalm, there is the way of the godly and their blessedness, and, and in contrast to the way of the ungodly and their destiny. The way of the godly is set forth by the way of contrast. Negatively, what the godly do not do, and positively, what the godly does. And this is what we're going to see in this psalm this morning. So let us look at the way of the godly in the first two, two verses. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The word blessed here is plural in the Hebrew. And it literally means, oh, the blessedness, oh, the blessings, oh, how very, very happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And so negatively, there are three degrees of habits and conduct the man who is blessed must avoid. He must not walk in evil path. He must not stand in evil counsel. He must not sit in evil seat. And notice in each of these, there is a downward path that leads away and away from God and an upward and upward path into sin and into the world. So there's three things. He must not walk in evil path. He must not stand in evil counsel. And he must not sit in evil seats. It warns us how man is prone to turn aside a little by little, a little by little, just takes a little at a time, and more and more entangled in the web of sin. Just a small sin, just a harmless little sin, sin as we see sometimes, but my, they lead us deeper and deeper. One little lie, then we add on to it, then we add on to it, and by the time you know it, you're in a tangle that you can't get yourself out of it. Now let us look at these three negative statements we see here. Now, I'm no English teacher. I've never been to secondary school, so I'm going to teach you a little bit of English here this morning, and I'm going to lead you all astray here. But let us look at each of these three negative statements we have here. First line, we see that he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean? Walk here means to go along with to follow a cause of action, to live, to follow a way of life. It has the idea of to go along with, to use, to follow. And the tense here is decisive. He is the one who has chosen to follow this path. He has literally, he has chosen to follow this path, this path that leads to ungodliness. So let's read that again. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel. What is counsel? Counsel here means a purpose, a plan, a viewpoint, a way of thinking. He thinks and he walks in that path. It refers to a mental attitude, a state of mind, a viewpoint that is made and he determines to follow that. Proverbs chapter 23, 
And verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the man of blessedness is the one who has determined not to walk by emotions, not to walk by experiences, tradition, or popular opinion, or by what is politically correct. This man who is blessed, we will see that his decision is to walk in the word of God. So, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does wicked here mean? It's a Hebrew word, and it has its root idea to be loose, to be unstable. And the word carries two ideas. It means to be loose with reference to morals, and it means immoral and without godly restraint or control. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. It also means ungodly. It means godless, a negative towards God. And it refers to those who are guided and controlled by their own desires, emotions, and flesh, rather than the word of God and the spirit of God. Let's look at line two. Nor stands in the path of sinners. How blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. It means to stop, to be firm. Stand means to be firm. Paul writing to the Corinthians, encouraging them to stand firm in what you believe. And this believer here, this blessed man, he has decided not to stand firm in in, in the path, from merely walking in the council, one becomes more conformed in the way of the wicked, and then you get more and more influenced, and you follow that. It is movement towards the formation or habits that you form in your life. And then we come to the word path, nor stands in the path of sinners. Path means a way, a cause of action, a journey that we take, a manner of, of, of walk. It's the way we have decided to go. It refers to one's conduct, behavior, pattern. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the path of sinners. Here we see a pattern forming from thinking like the world. Very soon we're in the world. We're conforming to the world and we're right there in the world. And then the second line says, no stands in the path of sinners. Now one commentator says about sinners that it is an archery term and it means to fall short or to mix the mark, miss the mark. When an archer shoots his bow and he misses the mark by two inches or ten inches, it's still a miss. And that's what sinning, sin means, is to miss the mark. The mark is the will and plan of God, as we see revealed in the scriptures for us. Sin, as we all know, is the transgression of the law. We're all sinners. We all miss the mark. And none of us are perfect in this life, nor we will ever be. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ had to leave the heights of glory and come into this world to take upon himself the punishment of our sin and to set us free. Sinners here refers to those who have deliberately chosen a way of life. No stands in the path of sinners a path contrary to the plan of God as revealed in the word of God. The man of blessedness chooses to direct his life by God's plan according to the word of God, which we're going to see in a few minutes' time. Let's look at line number three. So our blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Sit means to dwell, to remain, to abide, to be there, to sit there, and to remain there. It emphasizes a thoroughly settled state or condition. Settle down. You're quite comfortable there. After a hard day's journey, we sit down, and when we are comfortable, we're content with the world. Many people in church are like that today, aren't they? Comfortable with their religion. They are merely playing church. They come to church, they go, and that's all they know in their life, and they have no real relationship with Jesus Christ. Nor sit in the seat. Seat means a place of sitting or an assembly where many are gathered together to sit and make deals and, and have a close association. The point is when you sit in someone's seat, you act like them and you become one of them. And the man, man who is blessed, he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. What is scoffers? It means to mock. It means to deride. It means to scoff. It's an habitual action. It refers to one who's actively engaged in putting down the things of God and his word. Now, we have many of them today. People call themselves atheists, talking against God. Did you know if there was no God, there would be no atheist? If there was no God, there would be no atheist. And these men are completely scoffing against God. They can scoff by speaking of words or by the way of life they lead. They can mock against God. Now, these verses in chapter 1 poses a warning to us. They teach us how little by little we can step out of place of blessedness and into the place of misery and cursing with horrible consequences. First, we begin to think with the viewpoint of the wicked. Compare Lot in Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valleys of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was until God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And then second we see, we can quite naturally begin to behave like the world. We start thinking like the world and we, we, we behave like the world. I'm sad to say that this also happens amongst believers. A little thought comes and then your feet takes you there and before you realize you're gone. Let us look at Lot again in verse 11 of Genesis 13. So Lot chose the valleys of Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, and this journey was the way of the world. So folks, godless thinking, lawless living, careless talking is the way of the world. And I'm sorry to say, but I'm going to say this, there are many Christians who find themselves in that category as well. Yes, they call themselves Christians, but they do not live like one. But what does the verse here say? The word, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who does not believe like, behave like, or belong to the realms of wicked men. Blessed is the man who does not believe like, behave like, or belong to the realms of wicked men. Just before I leave the chapter 1, uh, verse 1, and go to verse 2, I just want to read to you from Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 to 19. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 19 says this, This I say therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, 
being darkened in the understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. Let's go to chapter verse 2. And here we have the key to blessedness. Here in verse 2, we have the key to blessedness. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I think the word but here translated as a conditional clause. Now, I said I'm no English student, but I would like to think that it does because I can understand what but here stands for. It introduces the reader to a strong contrast, doesn't it? Showing positively what the man of blessing does in contrast to what he does not do. The man of blessing does not walk in the, in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the path of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of stone, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. There, there, is, there isn't about 10 years, isn't it? but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So what does he do? What does this blessed man do? He delights in the law of the Lord. Now we know the basic meaning of delight, but let us dig a little deeper to see exactly what, what, what it means, and then this is my idea. And here are some words to explain and see if you like this. To be mindful of, right? To be mindful of the word of God, to be attentive to the word of God, to protect the word of God. He delights in the law of the Lord. We delight in some food, don't we? And we want more and more of that food. We like it. We love it. And, and this man of blessedness, he delights in the word of God. When something delights us, we become preoccupied with it. And we tend to protect it. We tend to guard it. We want it more and more. And so it is with us and the word of God. You see, in the Old Testament, Israel was viewed as the wife of Yahweh. And in the New Testament, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. And the written word of God, which I have here, is God's love letter to us. You see, folks, we have a love affair with God through his written word. We all Christians should have a love affair with Jesus Christ, with the written word of God we have. Just as one will read love letters from his or her sweetheart and be delighted. And so it is how we should have a love affair with the word of God and study the word of God. So his delight is in the law of the Lord. And this is the object of our delight, folks. It's the word of God. The law, of course, refers to the word of God known to us as the Bible. That is the law of the Lord which we have. That is our manual. That's how we walk this life. J.I. Pecker said, the Bible is God preaching to us. The Bible is God preaching to us. And this is what we have, and this is the way we walk. So the man who's blessed, he delights in the law of the Lord. That's pretty simple to understand, isn't it? Now the second line we read, and in his law, he meditates day and night. How good is that? In the word of God, this blessed man meditates day and night. 
Now, day and night here does not mean that you leave everything aside and that sit with your Bible all day, all night, and that's all you do. No, it doesn't mean that, folks. It means consistently. It means consistently. It means regularly. It means without fail that we feed ourselves on the Word of God. Years ago, there was a Chinese evangelist that came to Fiji. He was a great man of God, a great preacher, and his motto was, no Bible, no breakfast. And that's how we lived. No Bible, no breakfast. So you see, the man of blessedness is occupied with God's word. It is on his mind. It's in his heart all time, every time, in every area of his life. And on the spur of the moment, he's able to quote the scripture to you and give you assistance. This is the man who meditates. Now, meditate is an imperfect tense. Here's my English coming up again. Meditate is an imperfect tense, which means it is an hab habitual action. If I meditate on something, I do it over and over and over again. It is ongoing, and in technical terms, it is dynamic. Meditation does not stop. It is dynamic. It goes on and on and on. And meditation means to mutter, to mutter. To, you know what I mean? Meditation means to mutter, you repeat it over and over again. You go to the word, you go to the word, you feed yourself on the word. And that is the only way you and I can survive in this wicked world. It involves thinking about what the scripture means and how and when we can apply that scripture to our lives and to the lives of others. Now included in meditating on the word is reading the word, reading the word, hearing the word, studying the word, memorizing the scriptures, and so on. So one can think accurately, he thinks about the scriptures, and he applies it. Psalm 119, verse 11, David said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul writing to young Timothy said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, accurately translating the word of truth. Before we got married, uh, Fatima and I used to is to communicate by letters, and I delighted in the letters that I received, and I read it over and over again. I think she did the same. She won't tell me that, though. But this is, we, 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 we love receiving letters. You see, we were in love, and I read those letters over and over again. Why can't we do that with the Word of God? This is God's love letter to us. So it is with the Word. We must delight in the Word of God, and we must meditate on the word of God. It's dynamic, folks. It goes on and on and on. You don't stop. You don't stop when it comes to the word of God. Now then, so this blessed man, he delights in the law of the Lord. This blessed man meditates in the law of the Lord day and night. So what's the result of delighting and meditating in the word of God, folks? Here it is. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves, leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, 
he prospers. Here is a profile of a believer who, who delights and meditates on the word of God. He is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Being a tree, of course, is, is just a metaphor, a picture. But what does this picture teach us? What does this tree picture teach us? Firstly, a tree has deep roots and it's, it's very strong, very sturdy. A tree portrays stability. A tree portrays the capacity to, to withstand the storms of life. You know, when I'm in Tonga, quite often when I speak, I, I, I talk about banana Christian. The first, the first plants in Tonga in hurricane that goes down is the bananas. Small wind, all the bananas are down because they don't have enough root. But the other strong tree, they stand up. And I, I used to say to them, there are many banana Christians. They fall down so quickly and they hardly stand up again. It is a picture of spiritual stability in every kind of situation when we draw from the deep spiritual root system of the word of God, just like a tree that goes down deep into the water and draws the nutrients from the earth. So we as believers, we need to draw from the deep spiritual root system which we have in the word of God. It is also a picture of concept of growth and time. A big tree takes a long time to be big. It takes time to produce a huge oak. So it takes time, Christians. It takes time to grow into the word of God. You know, the problem in our instant tea society today is we expect a change overnight. We expect transformation overnight. And sometimes you see some of these young people stands up, waving their arms, jinking up and down on the pulpit, and you think they're very spiritual. Something instant, a lot of emotion. But deep down it's hollow. Growing takes time. True spiritual growth comes from a long-term relationship with Jesus Christ. I was converted in 1954, and I still don't know all the words. I'm still learning. I love it when people can get up here and speak the word of the truth of the word of God that I can take in and grow in my spiritual life. True growth comes from a long-term relationship in his word, but it will only come if you are willing to delight and meditate in the word of God. The blessed man delights and he meditates in the word of God. Now, thirdly, a tree is a picture of ministry. If a tree is a fruit tree, it gives fruit. Natural. If it's a fruit tree, it gives fruit. If it's an oak tree, it gives shade. So people can sit under the shade in the warmth of the day. God has given us in his word, God has given us his word that we might become fruitful trees in his service. You know, the sad thing is, folks, some Christians don't grow as well. And some Christians, are, some trees don't grow very well. And some Christians are like that. And what I call them, Christians who are saved, sanctified, and stuck. There are many, many Christians who are saved, sanctified, and stuck, and they're not going anywhere. Why? Because they don't delight and don't feed upon the word of God. They're just happy to come on a Sunday and warm the seats and go home. 
That's all they live for, Sunday after Sunday, out there during the, the, during the week, don't know where they are. And notice number two, that this blessed man will be like a tree firmly planted by the stream of water. And, and it says he's firmly planted by the streams of water. The verb planted here actually means to transplant, to transplant. It means to take root. It becomes firmly established for the purpose of stability. There is a very significant application we need to take note of here. Before we were saved, we were in Adam, dead in sin, right? Before you and I came to Jesus Christ, we were in Adam, we were dead in sin. But God in his grace has transplanted us into Jesus Christ. We did not deserve that. But God in his grace and mercy has taken us out from that and transplanted us in Jesus Christ. He has taken us out from the Satan's domain of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. What a wonderful position we have in Jesus Christ. Out from Satan's domain into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, with this new position, folks, there also comes new provision. We have provision in the word of God. We have uh, resources of life in the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God, both of which is likened unto living water. And both of these are available to us. When we read the word of God, we pray to the to, to the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, and He's able, He's capable to lead us. Now, what's the result of this tree that's firmly planted by the streams of water? It yields its fruit in season. Verse 3 He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Notice the recurring biblical principle here. First the root, then the fruit. First the word of God with obedience, then the fruit in our lives. When we obey the word of God, when we live by the word of God, it will come out of our lives. Each tree has some fruit, and fruit is the proof of the root system that that tree has. And I think we all know what these fruits are in our own lives. You know which part of your life you're bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. I know which part of my life I'm bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. You know which part of your life you're weak in, and I know which part of my life I'm weak in. And these are the summer things that comes over time, and we need to check ourselves out. And then look at another line. And its leaves does not wither. And he will be like a tree, firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruits in his season, and its leaf does not wither. Now this is a picture of endurance, isn't it? Of being green and healthy plant in spite of condition. How many believers you and I know that ran well once, but they're not here now? No endurance. They haven't planted themselves firmly. They haven't fed themselves on the word of God. And where are they today? They're a shame. They're a shame to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A plant that is firmly planted by streams of water has the capacity to last. It has the capacity to go on and on. 
And whatever he does, he prospers. That's what the next line says. And whatever he does, he prospers. In all that he may do, he continually or repeatedly prospers in the things of God. Real prosperity results from the work of God in the life of one who delights and meditates on the word of God. I cannot emphasize that enough, that we need to delight in the word of God and we need to meditate on the word of God. The man of blessedness prospers because he always seeks to operate in the framework of God, God's will in their lives in feeding upon the word of God. Now, this does not mean there's never adversity or failure. Yes, there is. Sometimes God has to engineer failure, his kind, before he can bring the success that he wants in our lives. It's his kind of success that he brings in our lives. When I was in Bible school in 1960 with my brother Jack here, and as I was going home, going back home, I had a little autograph book, and Janie McKendry, McKendrew, a Maori sister, she wrote these words in my, in my, in my autograph. He said, she said, Kanda, always remember that storm makes a strong tree and suffering makes a strong saint. And in Maori, she had kia kaha, kia mau, be strong, hold fast. That's what we need to do. We need to be strong and we need to hold fast on the word of God. The written word of God, which we have today with us, we need to hang on to that and we need to practice the word of God in our lives. Sometimes God allows suffering to come our way. It happened to me. I got kicked out of the house because I followed a white man's religion. Suffering come. I disgraced the family. Suffering comes our way. And sometimes God brings sufferings for the reason as well, like Job. But the thing is that we need to delight and meditate in the word. Just before I finish the next few verses, I'd like to pray a song to you that was sung by Evie Carlson in late 70s and early 80s. Some of you older folks might remember that, which I'll ask Jonathan to play that now before we finish verses four, five, and six. I saw a tree by a riverside one day as I walked along. Straight as an arrow and pointing to the sky Growing tall and strong How do you grow so tall and strong? I said to the riverside tree This is the song that my tree friend sang to me I've got roots growing down Love 
Read verses 4 to 6. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinner in the assembly of righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. With these four verses, there comes a very strong contrast to the way of the righteous, is contrasted the way of the unrighteous. And it is so abrupt when you look at verse 4, isn't it? The wicked are not so. The man of blessedness delights and meditates on the word of God. But the wicked are not so. The way of the wicked is nothing like the way of the righteous. They have completely different sources of living. They have different purposes in life. They have different character and very different result, both temporarily and eternally. So the contrast is between here, between a strong tree and a chaff. Now the chaff is the seed covering that is separated from the grain at the threshing. Unlike the grain, the actual seed, the chaff has no body, no substance, no life. It is blown about by the wind. It's always unstable. Now I used to plant and harvest and thresh rice in Fiji in my young days. And uh, my mother used to winnow the rice and all, and she used to stand there for hours waiting for a bit of wind so she can separate the chaff from the grain. Now, like chaff, the wicked will be separated from the grain in judgment. And for a similar, we compare the idea of the wheat and the tears that will be separated at judgment. So the chaff will be separated from the grain at the judgment. It says here, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Now, while genuine believers cannot lose their salvation, folks, there is a deep danger of living like the unrighteous. Perhaps very religious, but out of fellowship with God, not feeding on the word of God. The church at Corinth was like that. There's an illustration of church of Corinth, and Paul warned them that in their state of carnality, they were just walking like mere men. Now, I wonder how many of Christians do that. Confess to be Christians, but we walk just like mere men. Such believers may act like the wicked in many ways. In their carnality, they become failure to their spiritual life. And if this continues, folks, it means loss of reward in heaven, not to mention the possible discipline that can happen in this life. Don't kid yourself. God can discipline us in this life as well as believers in Jesus Christ. And the sad message is this, 
in verse 5 as we come towards the end. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. The wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. The idea in this context is that the ability to withstand or endure the judgment of God. Unbelievers will face God at the great white throne, judgment, and will not be able to stand the test. Only those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, only Jews and Gentiles, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, can stand before the throne of God because we have believed on the Son of God. Now as I close this very serious issue, I would like to ask us all, where do we stand in this very important decision of your life? Folks, are you walking with Jesus Christ? Or are you walking away from Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian? Christiane Mahoney or Christiane Loy? What are we? Are we true believers on Jesus Christ or are we just putting up a show by coming to church? The one that delights in the law of the Lord, the one who meditates on the law of the Lord, the one who walks with Jesus Christ. And only judgment will reveal who is and who is not. Are you walking with Jesus Christ? Are you truly walking with Jesus Christ? Or do you just belong to a church? In other words, are you a believer or not? If you're not sure, if you've got any doubt, I want to tell you this, that we can help you. And I will not be doing my job as the minister of the word this morning. And I want to tell you that we can help you after this meeting. Please talk to me or anybody else you're comfortable with. And there's a serious matter this is. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff which will drive away. Therefore, the wicked cannot stand in the judgment of God. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 2 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. There is a way that might seem right to you, going to church, being baptized, being singing in the choir, or whatever you have done. But be aware, there is a way that might look right to you. But Proverbs says, it is the way of death. On a very dark and rainy night, the captain of a ship very carefully piloted his worship through some very dangerous waters. He was looking in the dark for dangers that might be lurking out there to break his ships and put the lives of his men in danger. As he moved forward in this very rough sea, very dark night, it was a rainy night, and suddenly with a loud voice he shouted, What's that? There was a light straight ahead and it appeared to be coming straight for this ship. It was clear that this ship was in a collision course, that it will smack into that ship and put the life of his men in danger. And to avoid this dangerous situation, he radioed the oncoming ship and he said, this is Captain Jeremiah Smith. Please alter your course 10 degrees south, over. To the captain's surprise, the ship did not move. But a message came back in his radio. Captain Smith, this is Private Thomas Johnson. 
Please alter your course 10 degrees north. Very, very angry, the captain shouted on the radio, Private Johnson, this is Captain Smith, and I order you immediately to alter your course 10 degrees south. For the second time, the ship did not move, and the message came back, Captain Smith, sir, I order you to change your course immediately to 10 degrees north. The captain was very angry at this. He was a captain, and here was a private talking back to him. The captain was very, very angry and said, that this accident will put the lives of his sailors in danger. And so he radioed again and said, Private Johnson, I will have you court-martialed for this. For the last time, I command you to alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a battleship, and I will blow you out of the water. The private's last message was frightening and chilling. Captain Smith, sir, once again, with all due respect to you, I command you to alter your course immediately 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. You think you're on the right path, like Captain Jeremiah Smith, arguing with a lighthouse? Or are you willing to put your life in the hand of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You know, if you think that everything will be kapai at the end of this life, I want to tell you that you're wrong. Everything will be kapai when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning, folks. Whatever your background, how bad a sinner you are, and I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is waiting to forgive your sin. I stand at the door and knock. If any man obey my voice, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. Look at verse 6. i finish with this. We're going to sing a song after this. Notice verse 1 starts with blessed. The psalm starts with blessed and ends with perish. Take note of that. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of God. Verse 6, but the way of the wicked will perish. Which way are you on tonight? The ball's in your court. I trust that you would give your life and put your life into the hand of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to sing number 135 in Hukunui's sacred song before we close. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Number 135. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wound for me shall plead. My heart is leaning on the word. I trust that all our hearts are leaning on the word, the pure true word of God. We sing number 135.
Thank you. Let us close in prayer. Father, I earnestly pray for anybody in our congregation today who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would grip that life, that he or she will be passed from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the rest of us, Father, I pray with the words of the hymn writer, Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that I must run. There are victories to be won every hour by thy power. Keep me true. Bless and separate us now with your blessing. And Father, we just pray again for today as the days rolls on. If there's anybody out in our world today who stands up to preach the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified, bless that person. Bless the message that it will fall on good grounds and bring forth much fruit. Thank you for this day. Amen. <music>